Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 214. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views, and reviews. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. And you first-time listeners, we're glad you found us and we hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, iPhone security vulnerabilities uncovered and what we can expect to see with the iPhone 7. Customers' biggest complaints about their broadband and Ford unveils its new Sync 3 in-car infotainment system. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the 360 Fly 4K 360-degree camera, a product that can protect you from credit card skimmers and Garmin's new Phoenix Kronos multi-sport watch. And we're going to wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Plenty to talk about, so let's jump straight in. Well, the there was some news around the iPhone that probably Apple were not welcoming, and that news was the fact that there were some security vulnerabilities uncovered, and they were uncovered in a most unusual way. An Israeli surveillance company calling themselves the NSO Group were actually able to hack the phone. They were able to implant uh, a so- software, a spyware, if you like, through a text, a link in a text message. So if the person clicks on the link, the software, which was called Pegasus, then installs itself on the iPhone. So it allows them to listen in on calls, read messages, read emails, see their contact list. So basically spying on everything they're doing. Now, this exploit was actually discovered by a person named Ahmed Mansour. He was a human rights activist in the United Arab Emirates, and he complained of receiving suspicious text messages. And once investigated a little further, it was confirmed that these messages were installing software designed to track Mr. Mansour through his iPhone. Alarming news for Apple, alarming news for iPhone users because iOS traditionally viewed as the more secure smartphone platform. Uh, A lot of the things we've heard about in the past about security issues have have 95% of the time been associated with the more open Android platform. So news of an iOS uh, a spyware on on an iOS device. This vulnerability was uh, did did ring alarm bells so so much so that Apple immediately issued the iOS nine point three point five update to patch up these vulnerabilities. And the NSO group 
they, they were clever in in how they were delivering these messages because to a, to a regular person they would appear to be coming. It was like a phishing email. I'm sure you've received emails that that look like they're from a your bank or some other trusted institution, where in fact they're not. That that's a phishing email designed to make you think it's from a bank or someplace like that that you trust. And when they ask you to share information, you've done so thinking or hopefully not, but many people have done so thinking that it's a legitimate email from a legitimate company, and it's not. Now, what NSO Group did with this vulnerability is send out phishing messages, which came through and appeared to be from trusted organizations like FedEx, Google, Red Cross, Facebook, places like that where the user, once they clicked on that link, would unbeknownst to them, were installing spyware on their own iPhone. So Apple's issued this update, iOS 9.3.5, and here's how you install it. Go to settings on your iPhone, and then uh, track over to general, and then choose software update. Now, as soon as you hit software update, it's going to give you, it's going to go to the next screen. It's going to think about it for a little bit and then tell you that there is an iOS update available and it should be 9.3.5. So go ahead and install it to close this vulnerability. But while on the subject of iPhones, let's look forward. Let's look into the crystal ball. Well, not too, not into the too far distant future. In the next couple of weeks, we're expecting a launch event to for Apple to unveil the iPhone 7. There's been so much speculation, so many rumors about what we may expect to see, what we can see with this new device. Now, the iPhone 7, and I'm listening, I've taken into account the rumors and other speculation. Here's what I know. Here's what I think we're going to get. First of all, the design. It's going to be undoubtedly thinner. We're talking a millimeter, maybe 1.5 millimeters, which in tech circles, that's like a meter in other in other industries. So that saving that amount of space, that, that amount of thickness, uh, is pretty remarkable. The way they're going to do that, one way that's going to help them, is by getting rid of the headphone jack. This has been probably one of the strongest rumors about iPhone 7, is that it will not have that 3.5 millimeter port that people use to plug in regular earphones or headphones. That, as far as we know, is gone. So the only way to connect earphones is either using Bluetooth, so wirelessly connecting, or through the lightning port. This lightning port will remain, and there are already several companies that have released lightning versions of their earphones. I've reviewed one, the 360 earbuds we spoke about on the show a few weeks ago, but there have been others from companies like JBL, other major companies that have heard these rumors too, and the rumors are strong enough for them to go ahead and create earphones for to be used through the lightning port. Now, in terms of the design, we don't think the iPhone 7 is going to look too drastically different to the iPhone 6. What you are going to see are subtle little changes. The back panel, for example, will no longer have the white antenna bands running across the back of the product. The antenna bands will only run along the top and bottom edge of the device. The camera will also be bigger. The lens will be bigger. And we're, we're thinking that the, the, there'll be two to three times optical zoom and optical image stabilization across the board. 
for the, both the iPhone 7 and iPhone 7 Plus. Now, iPhone 7 Plus in itself, we don't know if they are going to continue with that naming convention. We've heard reports that the larger iPhone may be called the iPhone 7 Pro so that it matches the new iPads that were introduced last year, the iPad Pro 12.9-inch, and then there's an iPad Pro 9.7-inch. So we may see it follow, the iPhone follow that naming convention to give it some consistency there. Uh, In terms of the performance, we're expecting... A10 to be the processor only because it was A9 last year, so we can count. It's going to be A10. It's going to be faster. It's going to a better offer better graphics performance as they always do. They always seem to find improvement year on year with the silicon. Now the the home button apparently is getting a little bit of a makeover as well, so it's not going to be uh, as physical like a, a, an actual button you can press up and down, but more uh, more of a touch sensitive button rather than a physical button. Uh, that, that's what we can expect to see as well. Screen sizes will stay the same: four point seven inch, five point five inch, uh, and and with that faster processors, there's, there's probably going to be a little bit more RAM, maybe three gig of RAM. Uh, in in the larger device, the iPhone 7 Plus slash Pro. We don't know what it's going to be called. Uh, and, of course, it'll have the new iOS 10 operating system, which is a beauty. I've been running it, actually, the beta on my current iPhone. It's really stable. I'm really impressed. And you, uh, anyone with the iPhone 7 will have that on board as well. Now, there hasn't been an official date for a launch yet, let alone a release date. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday, so perhaps the, this week we'll find out there will be an actual launch and uh, then we can work out roughly usually a week and a half to two weeks after the launch date is when the it, the products go on sale. So I'm assuming that there'll be a launch in the next week or two. And if that's the case, I think best guess would be Friday, September 30 for it to go on sale. If you want to read more about those security vulnerabilities and instructions on how to install that patch, and if you want to take a look at some of these uh, alleged pictures of the iPhone 7 and our speculation about what we can expect to see, you can check both of those stories out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Well, broadband is something near and dear to all of our hearts. We need it. When we don't have it, we don't like it. When, uh, so it's something that really needs to be working well in our homes. Uh, it, it really powers a lot of the things we do nowadays. So it's no wonder when the speeds aren't where they say they are that there are a lot of customer complaints. In fact, the telecommunications industry ombudsman uh, for the TIO, this has been the fastest growing area of complaints where customers saying that their, their, their broadband is not meeting the claimed speeds because uh, and that of course if, if you've purchased a broadband plan based on a claim of speed and it doesn't meet that speed then of course you're not going to be happy so much so that the Australian Communication Consumer Action Network that's ACAN for short wants internet service providers that's ISP for short they want ISPs to give customers clearer and easier to understand information about their broadband speeds they're offering and also the claim, those claims as well because it's a lot of customers base their purchase decision on the speed of the network, the speed of the service. And a lot of times, especially with ADSL, 
which is has so many v- uh, variations and factors that affect performance, as does all the other connections as well, there can't be one speed for everyone because it depends on how many people are on the line, how many people are on uh, using the internet at the same time, your distance from the exchange, so many variations. So if company A has an incidence where a person had 50 megabits per second download in suburb X, there's no guarantee that a, sub, a person in suburb Y is going to get that same speed. So trying to make claims that can can provide confidence among the customers that of a reasonable expectation of what they they can the speed that they're going to achieve, uh, this is a very difficult, and hence the reason why even the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, the ACCC, has stepped in so that they they want to create a scenario where customers have more information and it's easier for them to compare services and work out the best action for them. So the, the the this whole situation, in fact, the Communications Alliance and the Australian Mobile Telecommunications Association have also stepped in, and what they're proposing is setting up an industry guideline so that ISPs have to present their performance of their services to customers in a certain way so customers can make a more informed decision, a fairer decision on themselves, a more realistic expectation of what, of what those broadband speeds are. Speaking of broadband, the NBN announced uh, late last week their rollout plans, and quite ambitious ambitious at that, they plan to complete the national broadband network rollout by 2020. That's just four years away. And this is on the back of better than expected uh, uh, release of info last week in terms of uh, homes connected revenue, average revenue per user. Those were way beyond expectations. And so the outlook is a lot brighter uh, for the completion of the network by 2020 and staying within sight of the peak funding of $49 billion, which a lot of money, a lot of people, when I published this story on Tech Guide, were commenting uh, on Twitter and telling me, oh, they're the, we're paying for an outdated network. By the time it's finished, it's going to be out of date. Well, not 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 so uh, not so much in my opinion. You've got to remember that more than 2.5 million homes are going to receive fibre to the premises, so fibre to, to the doorstep. That'll do something to those speeds, both up and down are going to increase dramatically. Fibre to the node is what's, what the bulk of the population will receive. That means fibre at the end of the street or at the end of the block and the rest of the way to your home will be existing infrastructure, whether it's cable, whether it's uh, copper. Uh, about 6.5 million homes will receive that. HFC, that's hybrid fibre coaxial. So if you're currently a cable customer, whether it's with Telstra or with Optus, you are already a HFC customer. That will become the property of the NBN if it, if it already hasn't. And the speeds will go up, upload speeds will go up. So about 3.2 million being served by HFC. Fixed wireless and satellite for the rest, which is about uh, just over 1 million homes as well. So pretty uh, pretty, uh, optimistic outlook there for the NBN. By 2020 is when it should all happen. If you want to read more about those two stories, you can check them out at techguide.com.au. Well, Ford have just unveiled their latest infotainment in-car communication system, the Sync 3. That's S-Y-N-C 
the SYNC 3, the latest version of this in-car technology. And Ford have really been at the forefront of providing this experience for their drivers, being able to stay connected but staying safe and enjoying your communication and navigation and entertainment using our mobile devices, but again, done in a really safe way. So the new system has had a major upgrade, a major facelift as well, and it's going to be available in popular upcoming models, including the Focus, the Mondeo, the Mustang, are going to receive the new SYNC 3 when they are released in the coming months. The system has a brand new user interface. It does look brand new, and unlike the previous version, there are three main areas of focus. So last time, the SYNC 2 had, a, like, a, the screen was split into four, so one was for uh, communication, one was for climate, one was for navigation, and one was for entertainment. This is streamlined a little bit, so the user interface uh, allows you to bounce between all of those things pretty effortlessly. It's easy, really easy to sync your phone to it. It's via Bluetooth. Once you've done that, whether it's iPhone or Android or whatever phone you're using, you can also download all your contacts as well. Really handy. Uh, it's got voice recognition and really good voice recognition in the in so far as it it can you can just talk to it uh, in in a normal conversational tone uh, you can maybe ask it to play songs like you know play uh, Empire of the Sun or drive me to ANZ Stadium it, it, it can understand those commands and can, can execute based on what you've asked for you can even say I need a coffee and the car will understand that you're looking for a cafe. So it's become that that intelligent. So it, it can really help while your hands are safely on the wheel, your eyes safely on the road. You can just simply talk to the car and 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 access your content, access uh, your your destination uh, and, and any other nearby information, points of interest, just by talking to the car, which is really important when you consider that safety aspect. The connectivity, as I mentioned, Bluetooth connects your phone to the to the car and you then have the choice you not only have the sync 3 interface uh, as well as app link by the way app link is a way that uh, for developers to optimize their apps to be used on the road safely in ford cars so not only do you have that option but depending on the type of phone you have whether it's an iphone or an android you also have apple carplay if you've got an iphone so that puts all the icons on the screen all new interface. You can access all the the apps that you normally would, like your phone, uh, your music, maps, your audio books, things like that. Spotify, whatever apps you're running on your phone that can be used in car, it's going to be displayed, uh, and so that that's really handy. It looks really good. Keeps maintains that Apple look and feel. If you're an Android user, you've also got Android Auto, which again provides a way to use your phone, use to to access your music. And also talk to Google. You can say, hey, Google, navigate to uh, the Sydney Opera House, and it will take you there uh, without you having to type in an address. You can even say, hey, Google, call uh, my lawyer or call someone. Uh, whoever's in your contact book, your contacts, you can uh, all just talk, whether it's CarPlay or Android Auto, just simply ask for it to call someone, to navigate somewhere, to find something, and it'll do it. Uh, the um, The... The whole the the app link as I mentioned, so you've got a choice of Sync Three, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, App Link, which is Ford's version of the of the apps running and optimized for the car. They've opened up that to developers, so any any developers who want to see their apps used in Ford Sync vehicles, then App Link is the way to optimize that as well. Uh, the 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 interface itself. 
It, it, it acts a little bit like a smartphone. It, it, it is a really responsive touchscreen, so you can pinch to zoom, swipe. All those actions we're used to on our smartphones, we can now use in the car. It's really responsive. The screen is uh, really easy, really fast, works really well, and I think people are going to love it. Stay tuned. Tech Guide is going to do a full review of Sync 3. Once we are, we're going to get a car with Sync 3 installed, and we look forward to using that and bringing our review to you as well. But in the meantime, if you want to check out those images of the interface and what it looks like, you can do that at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information like passwords, photos and credit card details to hackers and identity thieves? Norton Wi-Fi privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi privacy app. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi Privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Kicking off the Tech Guide reviews this week is the 360 Fly 4K. This is a 360-degree camera that we've been using for a little while now. We just returned from New York where we used this camera to capture some pretty unique footage. You can check it out on Tech Guide as well. We won't tell you what it is just yet, but we want to talk about more about the product. It's the second-generation 360 Fly. It is uh, the same design as the previous HD model. This is the 4K version. So in terms of design, it looks the same, or virtually the same. It's it's like the size of a, a bit bigger than a golf ball, sort of that spherical shape. The top of the device is dominated by uh, the the eight-element glass ultra fisheye lens, which gives you 360-degree horizontal field of view and 240-degree vertical field of view. So you're basically getting uh, almost the entire sphere, maybe apart from the bottom bottom bit chopped off, but it's basically giving you full view around you and above you and just about everywhere, and it captures 360 degrees at once. So don't decide on, an like a normal action camera, you've got to decide on the angle you want to capture with the 360 Fly 4K. Every angle is captured because you've got 360-degree coverage. The device itself doesn't have a screen, doesn't have any flaps to put in a memory card or to charge. It is a sealed device, so it means it's waterproof. Uh, to charge the device, you need the magnetic cradle and then connect a micro USB cable to charge it as well. There's internal memory of 64 gig, and that is enough room for about two hours of recording time. Now, what is really handy is being able to use the companion app, and the app then provides a way for you to view live video. You can stream video. Uh, you can upload your video to your phone and then share it to places like YouTube, Facebook. Uh, not all browsers can see the 360, but a lot of them can. Like, I don't think Safari can, but everyone else can. So if you are sharing to Facebook and it's viewed through the right browser, they can enjoy that 360-degree view. Uh, similarly, too, you can view that uh, footage on a VR headset. 
So you can also do that. You can also just view it on your phone, and you can either pan around with your finger or just move the device, and it's like you're moving around the scene itself. You can look up and down and move it left and right, and the view changes at the same time. Uh, there's only one button, on, on the, which is what I like, one single button. So operation is simple. Press and hold to turn it on, press it to record, press it to stop, and then press and hold it to turn it off again. It's that simple. Around the button is, a, is an LED light, so it indicates the status. Green is in standby. Uh, blue, uh, red is recording. Uh, blue is, uh, I think, no, blue standby. Green is charging. So, and there's also a little uh, indicator light around the base of the, of the camera, so you, there's no mistaking what status it is in. Uh, really easy to use. When, when you first set it up, uh, it actually, you, you, whenever you turn it on, it creates its own little Wi-Fi network. That's how you connect to it through the app. So you can do your live streaming, you upload your, uh, your videos to your phone. Uh, really easy to use. It also can do, you can do point of view if you only want to shoot in one direction, you can do that. If you want to do a time lapse, you can. You can do photo bursts because take pictures as well. So uh, play, very versatile. There's GPS on board as well, an altimeter as well. So you can get things like your altitude, your speed, all that sort of thing because you've got GPS on there too, as I said. So what we did, we used uh, it in a Times Square. Great spot to have a 360-degree view. We did shoot a video, which is on, included in our story. We did a little trip to Philadelphia, which uh, you may have read on Tech Guide. We did the Rocky Tour, which was absolutely incredible. And the culmination of the Rocky Tour are the steps at the museum, the Philadelphia Museum of Art. That's where those 72, famous 72 steps are. They're located. That's where Rocky ran up in the film. And of course, I ran up as well with the 360 degree camera. So you can, it's like you're running the stairs, like being there. And once I got to the top, I shot another video just to show you the view from the top of the steps, the surrounding area, the museum behind you, the view down to Philadelphia Town Hall, City Hall, uh, and down the end of the avenue as well. Uh, and and the, the videos came up really well. 4K resolution, really sharp, really bright, uh, really happy with that. Pretty easy to share as well. I like the fact that out of the app, you could you can share pretty well. The desktop director, uh, not not as not as sharp as the mobile app, so we, we decided to stick with the mobile app. Uh, the device itself uh, has, uh, that 4K resolution, as I mentioned, has it's 2880 by 2880. And that adds up to the same resolution as a normal 4K 3840 by 2160 resolution. Get your calculators out. It does work. It is the same value. I think it's 8.239 million pixels that you get. But the uh, 4K, 360 fly 4K, really happy with this device. It's $849.95. The HD version is still available as well. If you want to go to the cheaper version, I think that's $699. Uh, but check out techguide.com.au to read our complete review. Now, our next product is called the Travel Guard. And it's, this is a device, well, it's a product that can help protect you against credit card skimmers. Now, we've all heard of touching tap and go and PayWave and all those technologies. Well, that's convenient. You pay really quickly. You, you get it, You get in, pay, you're on your way, really fast, really simple. But unfortunately, that technology is being exploited by criminals. They're creating these scanners that can scan your the wallet in your pocket or purse in your bag and obtain your credit card information. 
And with that information, they can not only rip you off, but they can maybe even use it as part of an identity theft. They can even scan passports. Passports have a little chip inside and they can obtain that information. Again, could be used in a crime, could be used in identity theft. And even more alarmingly, they can also copy hotel room keys because they use the same RFID technology. That same tap-and-go technology now opens your door in your hotel. And it's not uncommon. I've heard stories of criminals positioning themselves in expensive hotels and scanning tourists as they walk out to get on their tour buses and then replicating all their keys and going up to their rooms and robbing them all. This is happening. This is real. And how do you protect yourself well with a product called Travel Guard? It itself looks like a credit card and creates an e-field around your wallet or your purse. So if it detects a skimmer, it creates that e-field and blocks it. So it's designed to sit inside your wallet or purse and it will block any attempt at skimming uh, from anyone. So to test it, we created a little video. We set up a terminal, like a little PayPass terminal, and tapped it like uh, with our regular credit card, and it beeped and it worked. But what we then did is put the travel guard uh, on top of our credit card and tried to tap the terminal again, and it prevented it. Travel guard blocked it because it thought it was a skimmer trying to get our details, and it immediately put up that e-field and blocked it. The e-field can be up to 10 centimetres in diameter, so it can protect your entire purse or wallet and all the cards inside it. So well worth checking out. But if you don't want to, uh, there are other options with Travel Guard. You can buy a passport holder. So it's big enough to hold your passport and some cards. And built in is that same Travel Guard e-field protection. Same deal. They've got a wallet purse that you can do the same. can hold up to six credit cards. But again, with that RFID protection. Well worth checking out. It's thirty nine ninety five for Travel Guard, whether it's the card, the passport holder, or the wallet. But it's a small price to pay for some peace of mind and knowing and that you're going to prevent some criminal from scanning your credit card details and causing you not only financial loss but also inconvenience as well. The Travel Guard, we've got links to the Travel Guard on, from our story on Tech Guide. Uh, you can check that all out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Lastly, on the reviews, we took a look at uh, Phoenix, just uh, Garmin, I should say, and, and introduced a new line of their Phoenix Multisport GPS watches, their line of Phoenix Kronos multi-sport watches. They've got GPS on board. And what these are, these are designed with a premium look in mind. So they've got a their premium products of the existing Phoenix sports watches made out of titanium, steel, uh, including, and one has got a vintage leather band. There's three models. Uh, each of them has also an exchangeable, interchangeable silicon band on board as well. And what so what Garmin's going with with the Phoenix Kronos is a watch that you can be hiking or mountain climbing or swimming or training or tr- doing a triathlon, and you can still transition to the red carpet or any other evening event or daytime event like your everyday watch without skipping a beat. So it, it's designed to go uh, anywhere you want, but also can be used as your day-to-day watch, and it looks quite elegant at that. It's got a 1.2-inch chroma display, backlit with LEDs, so it's really easy to read even in direct sunlight. It's also got all the – it's waterproof, of course, so it can handle 
all the elements, can it go for a swim, whatever you want it to do. has all the different multi-sport, multiple sport training. So if you're running or cycling, whatever, it can you can select that mode and it will record everything you're doing, as well as recording GPS. Uh, it's also got an altitude barometer and compass on it, so you can uh, know your altitude barometer for the weather conditions and compass to know where you're going. It's also got built-in heart rate monitor in the wrist, so wrist-based heart rate, so you can get 24-7 heart rate monitoring without having to wear a chest strap. So really easy to use. The Phoenix Chronos, available from September. They're going to be priced at $1,999 for the titanium with titanium band, $1,499 for the steel with the stainless steel band, and $1,399 for steel with the leather band. The Phoenix Chronos from Garmin. If you're into your sports but also into your style, it does add a touch of that luxury to the sports watch. Check them out at techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And you can get the fastest speeds available with the new Netgear Nighthawk X8 AC5300 smart Wi-Fi router. With speeds of up to 5.3 gigabits per second and tri-band Wi-Fi, you can deliver more Wi-Fi to more devices. The Netgear Nighthawk X8 has four external active antennas plus four internal antennas which amplify Wi-Fi range. Smart Connect intelligently selects the fastest Wi-Fi band for every device in the house and ReadyCloud USB access means you can secure personal access to USB storage from anywhere. Nighthawk X8, it's the next wave in Wi-Fi. Learn more at netgear.com.au Tech Guide Now, answering all your tech questions the Tech Guide Help Desk well, the Tech Guide Help Desk, quick one this week. Uh, we had a question from one of our listeners uh, and readers asking about, they've been given an iPad, they've had a hand-me-down, and they asked, look, is it better to keep it as is? I think there was some apps still left on it, and I think they signed out of their account, but it was it was had, had a lot of stuff on it. And the question was, look, is it easier for me to restore this and start again? And the answer is absolutely yes. Do a backup if you have to. Maybe do a cloud backup, back it up to your computer, but my advice, restore it and then install it. So it's like new out of the box. You're going to put your own username in there, your own account, and then install your own app. So it's just how you want it to be, customized to how you want it to be. And this, this applies to Android tablets, even smartphones for that matter. Android smartphones, really easy to reset. If someone gives you one or uh, you, you need to reset it, Really good thing to do. Uh, I've found too with with iPhones is some people complain about the battery not running as efficiently as it used to. And 99 times out of 100, a restore solves that issue. So if you are, if your battery is running down really quickly uh, and you want that to stop, then try a restore or a factory reset. Save your stuff, of course. So back up in iTunes or on your PC or Mac or in the cloud. Back up your your stuff. And then do a restore, start again, and nine times, 99 times out of 100, I'll say again, it does work. We've reviewed plenty of those smartphones, plenty of those tablets, and also offered that advice at techguide.com.au. And that's our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, please reach out to us, info at techguide.com.au. You never know, we could be reading your question out 
on next week's Tech Guide Help Desk. Special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and a shout-out, too, for Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been great having you with us once again, and we look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.